This is Bail Street. Crime, finance, and everything in between. Hosted by Ira Jettleson, bail bondsman to the stars, and Danny Moses of The Big Short fame. This is Bail Street. Welcome back to Bail Street. It's been a while. I'm Danny Moses. I'm Ira Jettleson. Welcome back, Dan. Good to see Ira. A lot has happened since we were last on air. Uh, We're now in June of 2020. The world feels like it's ending every... (laughs) Every single day. Hopefully hopefully it's going to get better. So I wanted to get back in the studio. One, there's a ton to talk about. We're going to talk about bail reform. We're going to talk about two of your favorite Steens, Epstein and Weinstein. We're going to talk about the Fed and the Treasury and what they're doing to bail out Wall Street right now and companies and people across the world. What's happening in cannabis? What's going on with Tesla? NCAA athletes. NCAA rule change that we've talked about on the show before. Photos Dulos. We wanted to get back in the studio because we felt like we'll have so much to talk about. And now that I know you know how to turn on your computer, yes, actually get onto Zoom. Yes. I can't tell you how impressed I am with this. Well, I got my kids helping me, so that helps me out a lot. Exactly. So we'll get to that and a, and a bunch of other things in this episode of Bail Street. Welcome back, Dan. Real quick, what's going on, bail reform? What's going on right now with the police situation? Love to get your opinion. I'm sure a lot of people would. My opinion on what's happened right now, the, the world is, is going through a uh, tsunami. It's a terrible thing that's going on out there. Um, I think we all have to come together. It started with bail reform in a lot of aspects for me and also in the world. And then obviously what happened with Corona and the COVID situation where the world got shut down and people were losing their lives and then boom into what took place with uh, the George Floyd situation, which is just a terrible injustice, uh, a power hungry police officer. But, you know, it's a tough subject to talk about. A lot of people don't want to talk about it. And I understand why. Um, I take the position of hopefully that we all could come together and, and, and figure out, you know, how we could, you know, work as one. And hopefully we can get back to, uh, you know, work uh, with what's going on with Corona. And obviously we could talk about bail reform, which changed my life a lot. Why don't we talk about that? So state of New York, which is epicenter, obviously bail reform. Uh, what's going on there? How are you involved in that? And what do you think is going to happen? Well, well, it already happened, which, you know, it's great, Dan, but you know, obviously what took place was, you know, I, I was yelling and screaming and pleading to people. Cause I said, you don't understand what's going to happen. I go, it's going to be a monsoon. It's going to be crazy out there. There's going to be people taking advantage of the system. And, and that's exactly what happened. And every single day in the Post, the Daily News, the Time, on TV, Channel 5, you saw what was going on. People that were getting arrested and getting right back out on the street. And, and, and people that got arrested ended up killing people or, or sexually assaulting people. And, you know, I was lobbying and lobbying and lobbying Albany. And I said, guys, you don't understand what you did here. You don't understand what took place. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And, you know, look, I said before on our cast, and I'll say it again, I believe there should be some bail reform. I don't believe some people should languish in Rikers Island on some low-level misdemeanor crimes. But any felony, any felony whatsoever has to have a repercussion to their action. There has to be accountability. And you see what's going on today in America right now with all the different governors getting together. No one accepts accountability. Nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. You make a mistake, something happens, it's this person's fault. You make this happen, it's that person's fault. And enough is enough. So we ended up getting on the phone with a lot of senators. I had a great conversation with Senator Cousins and also State Senator Shelley Mayer. Um, there was some other people on the phone from Governor Cuomo's office. And they listened and they listened and they listened. We gave a PowerPoint presentation. We said, look, we understand what you're trying to do. We get it. 
but there has to be a monetary bail number out there for people that commit a crime so then we become their watchdogs because the police were getting ambushed and there were repeat offenders and it, it was absolutely ludicrous out there. And, you know, look, this is what I do for a living. I, I, I do bail. Um, and I think I do a good job at it. And, but I am also a conduit to the court. And the court was relying on me to get these people to court. And the system was in place. Now, look, we all talked about what was taking place out there as far as some sort of reform. And I, we, we talked about it with Lewis Reed. We had Lewis on our show from Cut 50 and the First Step Act, and we said, and Lewis agreed. He said, look, there's got to be some sort of bail, but there are people that were languishing out there. But we also talked about some of the people that wanted to stay in jail because they get three squares a day and they get medical. So, you know, there was a happy medium, and we, and we, we asked these senators, we said, hey, set up a committee, set up 10 sitting uh, law enforcement, set up 10 um, – bail bondsmen, set up, set up uh, 10 DAs, set up 10 judges, and let's get in a room and fix this. Let's get it right. I, I, I kept arguing and I kept saying to people, this is like the NFL. And people were like, what are you talking about? Are you bringing football into the court? I said, yeah, there was called instant replay. And the reason they brought instant replay into it is because referees sometimes makes mistakes. And if they make mistakes, let's go to the video and let's get it right. That's the idea here. Let's get it right. Let's be the first state to get it right. And knock on wood, New York listened a little bit, not all the way through. And now you see what's going on out there where there's peaceful protesters, peaceful. And they're, and they're standing up for a cause. And now you have criminals that are taking advantage of this by looting and, and, and pillaging people that have stores out there that work their whole lives that don't have some sort of insurance and they're stealing and looting in this organ. They're setting up crime and that is wrong because they're getting right back out on the street because part of the burglary and the rob is not in the new bail reform and these people are getting back out and they're doing the same thing again over and over and over. And hopefully they go back to the drawing board again and they put some of the rob twos and some of the burglaries back into the new reform so that if god forbid something like this happens nobody knew a pandemic was coming and nobody knew what was going to happen in this world but so they, they could go back and they could say hey if someone commits a crime and it's a felony and you're breaking into someone's store or they're going to Saks fifth avenue or they're going to macy's if we catch you you're going to have bail okay you're not going to get back on the street and that's what I'm hoping for. Let's talk about two people because we're going to try to catch up on everything we've missed in the last year. But two guys that deserve you want to be. You want to know about Harvey, right? Well, I want to know about Jeffrey Epstein and Harvey Weinstein. The stories behind Epstein's death, which you seem to have uh, a much better idea than most about what might have gone on. So love to hear that story. And then the update on Harvey Weinstein. Look, we'll start off with first the one that I know the most, and that's Harvey Weinstein. Uh, obviously, you know I bailed out Harvey Weinstein on a two million dollar bond. Um, obviously, you know, since we've last spoken in February or actually put something back on the air, um, he was convicted and he got corona and he's now in Wendy Correctional Facility in upstate New York. And me and him have dialogue uh, every couple of, you know, days sometimes and sometimes every other week to talk about what he wants to do about bail pending appeal, um, which we're discussing right now as we speak. And also what's going to happen in California for him. Trial was crazy. Uh, a lot of people didn't understand what was happening. There was some different things going on with the jurors. Nobody understood some of the notes that went back and forth to the judge. Um, and at the end, he went down. Um, I am speaking to Harvey consistently. 
Um, I don't know if he's going to get bail pending appeal. They're going to try to see if they can get bail pending appeal. I will be there to do my job. That's what I do. Um, and, you know, we'll move forward with that. As far as Jeffrey Epstein goes. Wait, I just want to touch on Harvey for a second. Sure. You don't, you don't think he should be out on the streets. This guy should never be free again for what he's done, whether it's whatever he got convicted of in New York versus whether trying him for in California. On a technicality, getting bail versus being free are two completely different things, I realize. But this guy doesn't deserve any freedom. Look, Dan, I, I, I don't know. Look, again, people look at Weinstein as the way they look at Weinstein, and they have every right to feel the way they did. They do. Um, to me, this is a job, what I do for a living. Got bail. That's what I do. Okay? I'm a bail bondsman. If, God forbid, tomorrow... Okay, you're a doctor, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna anoint you a doctor. Right? Not yet, but if I stay in quarantine long enough, but if I stay in quarantine long enough, I'm thinking about Holly and Express last week. Yeah, but yeah. I all of a sudden I'm I'm on the street, right? And then you're a doctor, and I shoot a cop, and they catch me, but the cop shoots me. Now you go into the emergency room. You got to operate on them. That's your job, correct? Yeah, sure. Okay, I, I'm probably not qualified yet, but I'll get there. This is my job. So do I like what, what, what goes on with Mr. Weinstein? Do I like what happened with Jeffrey? No, no, I have daughters. No, okay? But this is my job and I'll do my job. So now let's talk about Epstein. I know we've all heard some crazy stories, but what specifically story did you hear about that happened to him the first time he got choked out? Well, look, I mean, everybody in the world right now is doing documentaries on uh, Jeffrey Epstein and want to know who was on his plane and who he hung out with and who he was protecting and what really happened. And, 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 and my take on it obviously is, again, this is opinion, but pretty strong opinion in some sources that, uh, you know, first time that Jeffrey was assaulted inside or uh, went to the infirmary inside because he suddenly fell off of his bunk from the two feet that he was on top and was laid out on the floor with his AirPods uh, on the floor with his bunkie sitting there next to him who said that Jeffrey let him have the AirPods. So um, look, when you're incarcerated and uh, you're doing time, you know, um, there's a lot of things that go on inside. And uh, I find it hard to believe that uh, Jeffrey Epstein on the first run where he was choked out in his cell and then went to the infirmary and said straight out that he fell off his bed for two feet and that's how he fell and hit his head. And then obviously we all know what happened the second time, which I've discussed and uh, uh, you know, the way he allegedly committed suicide uh, with no cameras there, uh, no COs. He was never moved from his original area um, and where when you have an altercation, uh, you get moved when you're on suicide watch, uh, and then all of a sudden you come off suicide watch. So there's a lot of things that when you have insight into what really happens when you're in jail, um, I have friends, very dear friends that did many, many, many years. I mean, uh, I had them in my backyard between them. They had over a hundred years and they basically say, there's just no way that what they're saying happened. So, look, could that happen to a better guy? Um, he was an animal. Uh, I'm not a fan, but I find it hard to believe that someone offed himself uh, when he was going to the Second Circuit um, five weeks from then to find out if he was going to get bail, which insiders tell me that he had a very good chance at the appellate division of getting bail. So wouldn't you want to wait that extra five weeks before you decide to kill yourself? Wouldn't you want to see – and stop paying lawyers the amount of money you're paying for to represent. He had three, four lawyers on staff that were coming to see him 
and they were putting an appeal together. Then you kill yourself five weeks before you I don't get. I think could ever get in the head of a monster like that. But I hear your point. He's not thinking Look, objectively. But people are going to say he was privileged. He was older. He's never been incarcerated before. Uh, he was in federal lockup with some serious guys. I get it. But uh, this was a you know a guy that you know has been around the block before. Been around a lot of people before. Wait the five six weeks to find out what the appellate division says, and then if they say no, we're not letting you out on bail, then I could see or, you know, perhaps feel that maybe he could do something he did, you know, or try to kill himself. But, you know, to kill yourself in jail, I mean, how many suicides in all the jails do we know around the country right now do you hear about? How many? I mean, how many? You hear shanks, you hear coronavirus, you hear fights, you hear so many, so many suicides with the amount of people that are incarcerated, but this guy who was in for a period of time, knew how to cut the strips exactly how the prisoners do it. I mean, you know, you got to be in jail for a long time to really know how to handle and, and cut those strips exactly, tie it tight, put it around your neck. The three, the three bruises on his neck just doesn't make sense to me. I know you know more than what you're saying, so. Well, of course I do, but that'll be out in my next book called The Fixer <laughs> 2. The Fixer 2. All right, so I'm going to talk about a few things quick, and then we'll, we'll talk about yeah, we got to talk about smoking a little weed in your world, which is called cannabis. Well, that's not happening necessarily. However, in the last year, crazy things have happened. So obviously, it's still a popular sector from a stock perspective, and people still care about it, and they're trying to move legislation forward everywhere. But when we, when we went off the air last year, it was right before the vape crisis. And the vape crisis happened. And instead of being an instrument for change, which it should have been, because everything that was in the vape crisis was from the illicit market. It was people buying vape cartridges, not from dispensaries, off of the streets. But of course, with something like cannabis, which is still not widely accepted, um, people jumped the gun, pulled vapes off the market continuously. You heard a lot of companies. People were dying, it. Dan, just so you know. I don't mean, no, no. I mean, young kids were going into North Shore Hospital and, and, you know, they were 17 years old. They were vaping. They were dying. 100%. That's horrendous. And I'm not saying that... And I'm going to say one more thing, and I don't want to cut you again. You know, I love you like a brother, okay? Even though you look like Will Fowler right now. I'm going to tell you straight out that I spoke to Yemeni people. They were, were years and years ago, before everything went, and they said, look, we don't know what's in it. We don't know if it hardens the arteries or not. We don't know what it does to the lungs. Oh, yeah. I, I Listen, I agree with what they did by sh shutting down, pulling the vapes off the market. What I'm saying is it really put a stop to any of the legislative momentum that was going on for these companies. And it put a lot of companies out of business. And these companies can't bank normally, so they don't carry money. They don't carry, you know, the way that they carry accounts receivables, literally go out and get it with a bag of cash versus, you know, and these are even traditional New York Stock Exchange listed companies that have to do that because of the Safe, Safe Banking Act or non-New York Stock Exchange listed companies, I should say. Anyway, so that happened. Then fast forward to COVID, right? These companies are trying to raise capital. But what happened was the vape crisis ruined all the political momentum that these companies had. The Safe Banking Act was looking good to pass last year, which would have allowed, whether you're against cannabis or not, um, if, if, you, if you're gonna make it legal in a state, you might as well let them use the banking system. So they pay their fair share of taxes, they have access to payroll, they've access to things. So that became very frustrating. And so it really exposed the companies that didn't have corporate governance correct, that you know, bad management teams, it didn't have financials in order. and it's fine, but it's, it's uh, a lot of these companies have gone out of business, but it's left kind of, it's, it has separated the good from the bad. And I think now coming out of COVID was the last straw because companies that were in the midst of getting financing lost it. Um, and now you're going to see what's happened. Everything's gone backwards in a good way. So we went from 
one company trying to be in 20 states to pulling out each of these states because they don't have the money to do it, to now the mom and pops again that are the one company grows in a state like in a Maryland or in a Ohio on the medical side or Massachusetts are flourishing. Now, they don't need the access to millions and millions of dollars. They're actually doing on their core, core markets like California, Colorado. It's given these other ones opportunities. We've gone full circle in a sector that's still growing. And so there's a cyclical noise within this secular play which has happened here. And I still think there's great opportunities. I gave a speech in Las Vegas, as you know, at the end of last year. And I said I would own three different companies. I, I, I don't remember that. I was on the tables at that time. But go on. I talked about Grogen, uh, which is kind of the restaurant depot. Cannabis stocks, that's where you go buy your fertilizer. That, that's actually listed on the NASDAQ. I've talked about Cresco Labs and Green Thumb. Two, just two. So MSOs. you're saying right now cannabis is still a great investment? No, I'm saying it's bottom up. You can't just go buy the sector. You better know what you own. That's always, I've always said that. You know that. I said you got to do your work and know what you own. And right. I never wanted to own the names in Canada. I always said that those were short. So it's just... It's a washout that just continues, but I do think it'll have political momentum behind it for the rest of this year going into the election. So I'm happy about that. Let's see another one. So COVID happens, yes. Federal Reserve and the Treasury come out with trillions and trillions of dollars. They brought out the I still have not got my money, but go on. They brought out the playbook from the global financial crisis and they took that and added, you know, 10 other things. So there's about between the Fed and the Treasury, there's five to six trillion dollars, which has already been kind of thrown at this issue. And the stock market is now back to its highs for 2020, which is hard to believe. It's not hard to believe. It's just hard for me to believe. Um, and there's a lot of money that they printed. And they're printing money and they're buying assets. And, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example of the excess. So if the Federal Reserve has a program where they're actually buying fixed income ETFs, fixed income ETFs are actually part of the problem. We've talked about that before. BlackRock creates some of these ETFs. The administrator for the program is BlackRock. So BlackRock's getting a fee for the, to buy, buy on behalf of the government and buying high-yield paper in an ETF. So the government owns things that have filed bankruptcy, like Hertz, like Neiman Marcus. The government, your taxpayer now owns those bonds as part of the ETF. So they're spraying everything at it that they can. It's unlimited. They're going to keep going. And the market just, people in the market just believe they're just going to keep printing money and to make this go away. I love gold because of this. I mean, you're debasing the currency. You've been loving gold for years. Gold's done fairly well. I mean, 1700 bucks. it's, you know, kind of moved its way up from 12, 1300 the last couple of years. It's been a steady climber, but I don't see any other way of gold not working anymore. And if our rates go negative, if the Fed goes to negative rates, gold to the only, gold, the biggest hit on gold is it doesn't yield anything, I, you know? I actually anyway. took some of my feelings out of my mouth just recently to pay my mortgage. <laughs> I haven't been working in a while. All right. All right. So those are just two things that have been going on. And before I get to some other stuff, let's get back into kind of, issue we talked about, we had Michael Lewis on the show, we actually talked about yes. it specifically, was athletes in the NCAA getting paid. Yes, and I um, got a, a few phone calls on those cases when it went down, and it yeah. turned out to be at the feds, and you know, obviously I couldn't do any bail on the feds, but I was consulting with some attorneys on what took place with some of the guys uh, that got jammed up. Yeah, but I'm talking about, Pat, they've now passed reforms where in the 21-22 season, NCAA athletes are actually going to be able oh, right. to receive right. endorsements. So I'm talking about we thought, you know, colleges benefit from using the, the name, the, player. yep. the players. So now they've passed a law where you can get endorsement. So they haven't passed it yet, but they're proposing. So for the 21-22 season, college athletes will be able to, to be on social media. We'll be able to be in commercials. Yep. They won't be able to use, like, their team name. They won't be able right. to use the college name, but they can use themselves. 
Correct. you know what's going to happen? What's going to happen now is that if you're an agent or you're a coach, you're doing a side deal now because you're like, listen, you're going to come play for us, and I've hooked up already your endorsement Absolutely. package here to the right hand. There's going to be corruption, but it's just good to see that there was some type of development there. It was bound to happen. I still think the NCAA is going to try to fight as much as they could in the courts, but they're going to lose. Right. Let's talk about the uh, Photostoulis story. So, I mean, Photostoulis. Obviously, um, if the world doesn't know, that is the gentleman that uh, allegedly, and I use the word allegedly, uh, killed his wife up in Connecticut. Uh, they have never found the body. Uh, he had a girlfriend that was also a lawyer that was arrested. I was uh, originally called on the bail originally, and they stopped calling me. I guess they went to another bondsman, which the attorney advised them not to do it. And then, of course, what happens is is that uh, they called me back, wow, months later, and that they wanted to revoke the bond on Doulas for whatever reasons. Um, uh, we're not going to get into that. And I was coming in, almost like Mariano Rivera, to come in and save the day. I was talking to uh, the Doulas crew, uh, his uh, new, call it friend out there, that uh, was calling me to come in and step in. And I was talking to Mr. Doulis uh, roughly about uh, 11 o'clock that day. And the next thing you know, I was actually sitting with Tony Aiello from Channel 2 News on a different case. And Tony goes, hey, Ira, do you see what's going on out there? I go, what's that? He goes, there's a drone over Doulis's house. I said, what do you mean a drone? He goes, there's a drone. And I look, he goes, that's Doulos on the ground. I said, no, I can't. I'm supposed to be going up there in about an hour to, to post a $6 million bail. He's like, no, look. And, and Doulos had killed himself uh, or, uh, you know, committed uh, suicide, which he was still alive for a little while with a beating pulse. And then allegedly, uh, you know, we went back and forth. We didn't know what was really going on. And then, you know, it turned out later on that he, he did commit suicide and they brought him to the hospital and he died later on. And, uh, you know, Doulos, you know, his I, 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 it was kind of a little shaking, shattering for me, too, also to know that, you know, this guy, I was on the phone with him. 10, 15, who knows what time before this thing went down. And, you know, I got, a, you know, a lot of people that called me, including my cousin, who said, how dare you bail this man out, blah, blah, blah. I said, I go, this is my job. I go, you're going to talk to me about morals? And, you know, and, uh, and that's what happened with Fotis. And uh, we talked about that. And, uh, you know, it was a big topic in my house on, on what took place there. Right. I want to get to some other stuff, but also I got to mention Tesla because – you would I want to see you laugh and smile and all that jazz. But oh, I love you. It's one of my favorite topics. So let's be clear that we were on. It was three, four hundred bucks last, and it dropped to one hundred and seventy-five dollars. Obviously, you I predicted. Yeah, but I didn't cover it all there, so that's my bad. I never believed people would still believe that this is going on at this point. Stock hit nine hundred and fifty dollars today. They've raised money. They've come to the market. I think two times since we last spoke. Raised billions of dollars still, but nothing's really changed. They're not making money. Nothing's really changed. But this guy has aligned himself. I give him credit. He has one of our friends is with him now. So we had a former guest, people may know, they're called Bell Street, Alex Spiro, who's now representing him. Yes. But I'd love to get Alex on. I can't imagine he's going to want to talk about anything. I don't know. Well, we'll try to get him on. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to believe where it is. There's other stocks that are even crazier. Hertz files bankruptcy. It's up 200% in the last two days. So I guess if you file bankruptcy value, your company goes up these days because we are seriously at the, at the breaking point of lunacy as it relates to many of these companies. But listen. I mean, it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder, and some people see it. I will say this. I always joked about the, the Musk-Trump kind of demagoguery connection of those two guys, right? People that want to believe in these people at any cost and just follow these guys around. What's crazy is the two came together a few times over the last six months, once physically at the NASA launch for SpaceX, and a couple times when Trump mentions them out of nowhere at Davos in Switzerland, 
at the World Economic Forum, and then they kind of tweeted at each other that we should open up because of COVID. There's something there going on. I don't know if it's Kushner related or you not know where. Not another conspiracy situation. Not right? a conspiracy theory. Okay. It's, it's pretty obvious. But anyway, I short both of those people. Anyway, we'll see what happens. But I think it's an opportunity. I just don't. It's a hundred and eighty billion dollar company right now. Let's talk. Look, we got a lot. We were we were gone. We took a hiatus. We yeah. Came out. Whatever you want to call it. We, we are now coming back and we're going to come back strong like welcome back Connor and we got a lot to talk about we're gonna have a lot of different guests moving forward we talked about this we're gonna to try to get on uh, Mitch Diggs from the Wu-Tang uh, he was also a, the actor in American Gangster we're gonna talk about Ray Ray Rice good friend of mine uh, who obviously is now training my son uh, you have the relationship with Mike Tyson from Cannabis uh, we're going to try to get uh, Mike back on and, you know, we're going to try to see whoever, maybe even get Michael Cohen on. Um, I was working with, with Michael prior to him go to Otisville, who's now been released from COVID-19 uh, on a, uh, you know, um, the compassionate release. Yeah. Well, a lot of different prisoners were released recently because of the compassionate release from the COVID-19 situation. But, you know, look, I'm excited about what we got going forward. You know, and uh, I mean, look, we got Tesla, we got Tesla, we got Tesla. <laughs> you're such a, you got cameras, but we got yeah. a lot of different things that we could talk about. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to make people a lot of money when they listen to this podcast. Well, some point, like, yeah. you know, I hope so. And no, let's talk about, uh, it's going to be great. I can't believe that Bell Street, the whole idea of it is people might, you know, it was, was a crisis in 2008 about people bailing people out, you bailing out Dominic Strauss-Kahn. We're now back full circle to a global financial crisis. You're not bailing out a, the head of the, you know, IMF. Yeah, yeah, at the same time, the world is crazy, and our two worlds are colliding again. Again, again, it always. Firm, does. Firms are getting bailed out. People are getting bailed out. Right, things are so. It's going to be an interesting time, and I think uh, I think I'm glad we're back in doing this. I didn't know this was. I know you didn't even know Zoom existed. So no, I didn't this know. Is, this yeah. is good to actually do this, and I could tie you down and, and get you to come on. So, um, well, with that, Ira, it's great to see your face. It is too. Um, I, I like that fedora. It looks like, cool. I'm gonna go on. Let me tell you. Yeah. Why would you do these virtuals right now? I'm gonna wear a fedora. Okay, fair yeah. enough. And I'm just gonna keep growing my hair out. Yeah, let's just. So. Yeah, we gotta be ourselves. You got it. All right. Love you, buddy. All I right, love my you man. Too. Be good. Hey. Talk soon. Bale Street. Bale Street. We're back. We're back. That'll wrap it up for this episode of Bale Street. You can subscribe to our podcast at BaleStreet.com or any other service that you use to download podcasts. We'll see you next time on Bale Street. I'm Danny Moses. I'm Ira Jettleson.